Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to Real Life Church. Um, it's great to have you here, especially if you're a guest. If you haven't met me, my name's Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here and I just want to welcome you um, to our Sunday morning meeting. Uh, I want to hand over now to my wonderful wife, Melanie. We, she's going to do a two-part series this week and then in two weeks' time um, on life in the spirit. Melanie particularly has um, uh, functioned this role in the last two churches we've been a part of. Mel's been off on staff in both churches as an evangelist and a youth worker. Um, she's been recognized with a huge prophetic ministry and gifting by other prophets in our movement. And she has a, a particular kind of heart to see us be men and women full of the Spirit and to live life accordingly, um, following the model of Jesus being the ultimate man who is full of the Spirit. And so uh, she's going to be sharing this morning a bit of a story and then next time looking at some practical things we can do to uh, outwork um, our life in the Spirit. So I hand over to my favourite speaker. Thank you. Thanks. Good morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Melanie. Um, I'm married to Stuart. I'm the mother of two awesome boys. Um, and I currently, that is my full time position. I, I'm a stay at home mummy. And in my spare time, I do bits and pieces for this lovely local church. Um, I'm going to take two weeks to really stir us to go deeper in the spirit. So if you're taking notes this morning, what I would expect is that you would write something at the top like what the Spirit is saying to me. And through my story, there will be regular bits where I'm just going to poke you a bit and say, have you thought about this? Have you tried this? Have you done this? In two weeks' time, I'm going to do some very practical things on how to go deeper with the Holy Spirit, how to experience different kinds of prophetic gifting. So... I need to apologise because yesterday my voice started going, which is perfect, isn't it, when you're going to speak. And this morning I woke up with very little voice. So this gravelly tone isn't usually how I speak. So I've just had a lem sip, courtesy of Phil. So I'm, along with the Holy Spirit, hoping that my voice lasts. So if it starts to kind of wean off, that's why. Um, the following week I want to do some practical things on how to go deeper. So today is my story because really I said to Stuart, if I was sitting listening to someone speak about the spirit, I'd want to know what they'd experienced so that I could hear them properly challenging me. So whenever people speak, I always think, rightly or wrongly, I always think, who are you? Who are you? Who are you to speak into my life? Who are you in God? Who are you? And so this for me is my way of saying this is who I am, this is how I roll, and this is what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. Bits of my story, I hope it doesn't come across like this, but bits of my story might sound a little bit like I'm bragging. If it does, I'm really sorry. I think what I wanted to do was just illuminate the things that God has done in my life, and I'm hoping that all glory goes to him. Um, if, if I am bragging too much, just throw something at me. I am, am used to dealing with little boys who just, you know, run off when they're bored. So just throw something at me if I'm going on too much. Um, and I'm really expecting the Holy Spirit to hover over us this morning and just drop little things into your hearts where you just go, ah, oh, I'd like to try that. Or that reminds me of what I feel called to. That's really my hope. Um, I'm not going to share, I said this to Stuart, whenever I tell my story, I don't share a lot about my past life. 
Um, and there are, there are reasons for that. If you want to know more about my past life, you can come and talk to me. I generally start my story at the point of salvation. And there are, partly I'm ashamed of some of the things that I did that I just think, actually, I don't really want to major on it. And also, I think the other side of it is that actually my story, although I have a backstory, my story really began when Jesus entered my life. And the bit that I want to tell and the bit that I want to give glory to is Jesus onwards. And Jesus backwards was basically me living my own way doing my own stuff so if you want to know more about what that looked like because you know you like the juicy bits please come and ask me I'm quite happy with that but I will skip a huge part of my life um, because I want to get into the nitty-gritty of Jesus and what he did in me so I was 20 when I first encountered Jesus in a New Frontiers church in Hook and I don't have a church background so up until I was 20 my exposure to church was I did a little bit of singing in a local choir in in a village that we lived in and so I'd been to church a couple of times I'd been to weddings, funerals, christenings that would have been my exposure I remember hearing people talk about becoming Christians and so one night I prayed a prayer in a car with one of the girls from church. She read out something, I repeated it and I have to be hands on heart honest, nothing changed. So I carried on living my same life, so I carried on drinking, clubbing, sleeping around, swearing, just my life didn't alter. And I think in the back of my head, I knew that couldn't be it. I knew that couldn't be what it meant to become a Christian. I knew that that can't be the life-changing event that everybody was talking about. So a few weeks later in my bedroom at home, I remember I was reading my Bible because everybody says, you know, you need to read your Bible. So I was reading my Bible and I read a story about a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and she was brought before Jesus and he handled her so beautifully. And I found myself starting to cry and I'd made a decision a long time ago that crying was for sissies. And so I rarely ever cried. So for me, this was like a big deal I started to weep I started to think I'm like that woman and I started to look at the way that Jesus had handled that woman and it powerfully affected my life it, in a way the the Bible story kind of jumped out and grabbed me and and I felt a real sense of I was like that woman and so on that night I was born again I was born again in my bedroom I, I remember it so well I remember getting up the next day and feeling completely different and I want to make a plea from the front if we are going to see people saved in this church let's do it the second way not the first way so it's not enough for us to just pray prayers with people it's not enough to get a little booklet out and say read this after me people must be born again and when people are born again when the spirit comes alive in them they look different from day one so my life changed from that point onwards I no longer had a desire to do some of the things I've been doing swearing left just like that I don't know whether it was because I was in a community that just didn't swear or I don't know what happened but it literally one day it was there and the next day it wasn't and I don't even remember making a conscious decision it just stopped 
I think over the years I've seen churches who are very pleased with having names and numbers of people who've been saved but you can't actually see them in church you can't see them serving you can't see them functioning because they prayed a prayer and disappeared and I think as a church let's not go after that let's go after real conversions where we see people's lives change five years later we see them in the worship team leading small groups leading kids works going off and doing mission where you can actually look around and go that person was saved here that person was saved here that person in Africa in Asia in wherever was saved here and we know they were thoroughly saved I was filled with the spirit about a month or so after and this is I have to be honest when I went into a church like this church I thought it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen I was glad that there weren't pews and dry and dusty and stand up sit down but people in the church I got saved into fell over when people prayed for them to me it looked like people pushed them over and that's when outsiders are coming in that's sometimes what it looks like they would shake very odd I've only ever seen people shake if there's something medically wrong with them and so that for me was odd they would laugh and they would smile all the time I like quite honestly I thought I'd come into this weird place where no one has any problems everyone's fine and everyone smiles a lot everyone shakes a lot and everyone falls over to me it seemed like the weirdest thing ever so when someone said do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit I said no Because I was like, to be honest, I like standing up. I like being in control of what my body's doing. I hate things like trampolining, ice skating. I hate anything that means my body does something that I don't want it to do. So the idea of meeting the Holy Spirit and doing things that I didn't want my body to do was just a no-brainer for me. So one evening we went to a church where they were praying for people to be filled with the Spirit. I went forward just because I thought, oh gosh, that's going to look odd if I don't. So sometimes people come forward for prayer, not because they want it, but because they feel a sense of, well, I probably ought to. So it's worth asking. The woman asked me why I'd come forward and I said, I think I'm supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel so sorry for her. She like, started to pray for me. Nothing happened. I just stood there. Um, and in my head I was going I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this she said I feel like there's a bit of a blockage here and I thought okay she said I think you think that you have to fall over if I pray for you for me I was like oh that was exactly what was going through my head she said you need to know that the Holy Spirit will meet you in a way that works with you for where you're at right now I was like, oh, all right then. So I opened out my hands, she prayed for me, and what I felt and experienced was like someone took a bucket of God and just tipped it, and it kind of just went through me. And I felt this sensation of, it felt like water just kind of soaked me. And at the end I said to her, I just feel like a bucket of God got just like thrown on me. I just feel like every, everywhere has got God. Um, she said, that's your baptism in the Holy Spirit. So for me, it was, it was a case of, 
I wanted to meet the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to fall over. I didn't want to shake. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do all of that stuff. I just wanted to meet God. I have since fallen over spectacularly. I have since shaken like a crazy loon. I've laughed. I've cried. I've done all of it. At that stage in my life, the Holy Spirit knew what I needed and where I was at. I do not believe that the Holy Spirit's a gentleman and he kind of pussyfoots around us. And he's, but I do believe that he knows us therefore he knows what we need at the time that we need it so if you're on the floor it's because that's where you need to be if you're shaking it's because that's what you need to be doing if you're standing that's where God wants you so I would say open yourself up to the spirit and go with what he's doing the Holy Spirit created in me a hunger for the Holy Spirit if you've got children they say that sleep promotes sleep So the more your kids sleep, the better they sleep. The Holy Spirit is very similar. If you get some of the Holy Spirit, it creates in you a hunger for more of the Holy Spirit. When you get more of the Holy Spirit, you want more of the Holy Spirit. It's that kind of, it's like eating something really delicious that you take a mouthful of and then you think, oh, I'd quite like the whole cake, as opposed to just that little mouthful. So I started to have dreams. I've always been a dreamer. So who dreamt as kids? Do you remember dreaming? Yeah. I dreamt as a kid loads. In my teen years, dreamt loads, had nightmares, was always into imaginary stuff. And then it kind of tailed off, early adult. And so for me, becoming a Christian and being filled with the Spirit opened that life up again. So I started to dream, started to see visions, started to hear things and know things. It was like something had awakened in me that that was kind of there but was a bit dormant. So sometimes how you function in the Spirit is, is based on who you are and what you're like. So I do have... An, an imagination that often runs a bit wild. At school, I loved storytelling and writing stories, and that was always something in me. And it shouldn't surprise us that God taps into that. It shouldn't surprise us that God says, how I've made you in the natural, I will enhance that with the Holy Spirit and make it spiritual. So sometimes people do things extremely well and just say, well, that's just me. If you're doing it extremely well, it probably isn't just you. It's probably you mixed with the Holy Spirit. And he's clever. So he uses who we are and how we're wired up to enhance us. So I started having words, insight. But to me, it seemed very normal. So now, when, if I'm in churches where they're like, oh, we've got a prophet coming, oh, we've got a so-and-so coming, I think to myself, do you know, when I read the Bible, this stuff is available to everybody. So I love getting in, the visiting this, the visiting that. However, when I read my Bible, it says that I can have that. It says that you can have that. It says that we can have a level of gifting in this church that invites heaven to come and invade us. So we don't necessarily need someone to come in and give us that. The Bible, if you open it up, says we can have it. So for me, I thought this was extremely normal. I realise now other people around me were getting quite excited at something that I thought was extremely normal. But I still limited what the Holy Spirit did in my life. So I did not like speaking in tongues. Uh, I didn't like the falling over because I thought it was weird. I didn't like the speaking in tongues because I thought that was weird. I also had been told that the reason we speak in tongues is because we sometimes run out of words. I never run out of words. (laughs) 
So for me, I thought that doesn't make any logical sense to me to speak in a different language when my own language suffices and I've always got plenty to say. So I never get to a point with God where I think, I don't really have anything to say to you. So the argument for speaking in tongues for me was not only incorrect, it was unhelpful. So the reason we speak in tongues is because it's a spiritual gift that connects us to God like nothing else. Now, if someone had told me that, I'd have wanted it. So I think we have to make sure that when we're telling people about the gifts of the Spirit and we're reasoning through tongues, prophecy, that we actually keep it biblical. That we're actually not afraid to say it's a heavenly language that connects with heaven, that makes the Spirit flow in amazing ways. I have, in my life, seen beautiful things in Sunday morning meetings. Nearly all of them have had someone bring in a public tongue because it cuts into a room like nothing else. So if a public tongue is brought in worship, first of all, all the Christians go a bit weird, because it's like, oh my gosh! The unbeliever goes, what is this? Because it's like nothing else. So they've heard people like, you know, on the TV, read people's minds and share things, and that's not too mind-blowing. Someone speaking in a very odd language is mind-blowing. It, it, like, I remember when I first heard it, just thinking, what is that? And it, offend, it offended me. I felt really offended, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, good, like, now we can work. For me, the gift of tongues has revolutionised my relationship with Jesus. Like, I get to talk in a language that connects up. So in two weeks' time, if you don't speak in tongues, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to get that gift from God. It's a super special gift, and I want to encourage you that if you move in public tongues or would like to, start doing it. It's such fun. It scares you like nothing else. First time I bought a public tongue, I thought I was going to be physically sick. I was like, I knew it was bubbling up, and I was like, how can I stop this? And, and when it came out, I was listening to it thinking, oh my gosh, that's the weirdest thing ever. But actually, God broke in. And I think tongues has that ability, so I'd stay if you don't speak in tongues. I'd never read a Bible. So some people say they've never picked up a Bible, and, and you think to yourself, that can't be true. I had never read a Bible. Never picked up one. We got given one at school and to my shame I remember a load of us threw them in the bin. Like now I look back on that and think oh my gosh I am really fortunate God did not strike me dead on the spot. Um, However I remember someone saying to me start with the gospels. Start with the gospels. Don't start at the beginning. It's not a normal book. It's not a book that you start at the beginning and read all the way through. I've since done that but that's not where you start. They said start towards the end in the Gospels and stay in the Gospels until you've got Jesus. So I remember going away thinking, all right then, that's what I'm going to do. So for months and months and months, I literally read through the Gospels, finished them, went back to the beginning, read through, went back to the beginning. And I think the Holy Spirit really did something in me in that season. So I'd really recommend it as something to do, to actually get in the Gospels and just read and read and read and read until you're almost a little bit sick of Jesus. So you're almost a little bit like, oh really? We're going to read that story again? So you've really got him in you. For me, it, it, it just did something. I felt like I really got to know the man 
and the God Jesus, but it also made me hungry for miracles, salvation, healings, the kingdom coming. Because, like, to be honest, there is no one like Jesus, and there's nothing like the Gospels. They, they just tell these outrageous stories where you just think, every story I read, I think, I would have loved to have been there. I'd have loved to see him walk on water. I'd have loved to have seen him deal with that woman caught in the act of adultery, feed the 5,000. I always read stories where I think, man, what I wouldn't give to have sat there and listened to him preach the Sermon on the Mount. You know, and just get into the Gospels, they're brilliant. I also understood from the Gospels that if we followed Jesus and walked like he walked, we'd get to see all the stuff too. So we get to see blind people seeing, hungry people fed, lame people walking, deaf people hearing, the demonic flee. We get to see all those kind of things. And I think sometimes we've lowered our expectation to what we see around us rather than what we see in the word. So we've said, actually, in this nation, healing's a bit hard work. Well, like, if you open up your Bible, it doesn't look hard work. It looks like you say to a deaf ear, open, and it opens. It looks like you say to blind eyes, see, and they see. So I think more we should be getting our, our bar, what we want to aim for, from the Gospels. We should be saying that. That should be the normal Christian life for us, and that should be our platform that we then walk off into even more, even greater. And I know sometimes that doesn't add up with our experience. Like I would say I don't care. What the Bible says about who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be like is who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be like. The fact that we're miles away from that, well, we better start walking. So for me, I think I haven't seen what I want to see in the miraculous. And it frustrates me sometimes, but I'm going to keep going because the Bible says that it's mine. I can access that. I can have that. I just need to keep walking. So I'd say if you feel in a place where you're just a little bit tired of praying for the sick or seeking God for miracles, like open your Bible again and remind yourself this is ours. This is our inheritance. This is what we're supposed to be like. And it, it isn't for a particular nation or a particular people group. It's for the people of God. It's for us. Who has ever been to Stonely Bible Week? Okay, it's a Bible week that New Frontiers run where thousands of Christians get together, hear great teaching, encounter God. I'd never, I got saved into a small church plant. There were 30 on a good day, maybe 40, so around this size. I think Stonely, the first year that I went, hit 18,000. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen so many people worship, so many people go to the front. I'd, I'd never heard preaching like it before. It just blew me away. Even camping was okay in that <laughs> environment. I served in the youth work at Stonely. And I tell you, I walked into the room, I remember it so well. It was in like a cattle shed a faint smell still lingered of cows. And I walked in and there were all these young people and there was a noise and an energy and we worshipped and they preached and I remember deciding in that place I would always work with young people. I just thought they were incredible and I still to this day do. I just decided. And I can't tell you that it was a great bolt of lightning. I literally in my heart said I will always invest in young people. I will always work with them. And it was like 
a transaction took place. It was like I said that and the Holy Spirit went, yes, please. And sometimes that happens in God. Sometimes we literally say, I want that, and God goes, yes. Because it's so on his heart that you just kind of bump into his heart and he goes, yes. So sometimes it's not a massive lightning bolt from heaven when we receive a sense of calling. Sometimes it is as simple as, that got my heart and God goes, yes, please. And that's it, you're done. And from that point on, I was done. I was like, I am going to invest in young people, work with young people. That is what I will do with my life. And during that week, um, a guy was preaching. He was called Ken Gott. He was the wildest person I've ever seen. He, He was hilarious. And he was really prophetic, shouted loads. Um... And he called forward people who felt called full-time to serve God in ministry. I didn't even know what that meant. But you know sometimes when you find yourself down the front and you think, how the heck did I get here? So I was supposed to be there serving young people. I found myself at the front. He got down and started praying for people. He just spoke to me. He said, you'll be in full-time ministry for the rest of your life and carried on. I knew it. As he said it, it just met my heart. I was like, yes, that's what I'll be doing. And I worked for Clarks in their management training. It was exceptional training. I still to this day think it's the best people training I have ever had. So I'd say if you're in the workplace and you know it's for a season, I would say raid it for all it's worth. Go to every course, every conference, learn about the challenging things about managing people, learn about team, learn about leading, raid whatever you can from it. Often the world has better stuff to offer on people management or customer care or the stuff I learned in class I still use today. I still use all of the stuff to do with handling conflict. I use loads of it. So I'd say in your workplace, raid it for everything that they're prepared to train you and teach you on. Um, If you've been in a workplace, make sure you're making use of the skills that you learn in those places. Um, They were keen for me to progress up the career ladder in Clarks, and I knew that I wouldn't. I just went back to work thinking, this has now become a temporary position for me. I think some of you already know what that feels like. So for some of you, you already feel a full-time call of God over your life. You already know that your current position in work is a temporary thing. But I still went there and thought, I am still going to make the most out of being in this environment. I was honest with the guys who led me and said, look, this for me now has become a temporary career. They didn't believe me, so they just kept going. Um, And eventually I, I did leave Clark's. Um, and I took a year out and did something that was called FYP. Uh, It was called Frontier Year Project. It had been nicknamed Find Your Partner. I remember specifically saying to God, that will not be my story. How cheesy is that? To go on a Christian year out and find your husband, that will not be my story. Uh, How God must have chuckled, really. Um... During that year, I read this amazing book, and I want to flag up books. Who likes to read? Wave at me. Who finds reading really hard work? It's fine. Absolutely fine. I don't think it matters whether you like to read or you find reading really hard work. The truth of it is, a book mixed with the Holy Spirit can change your life. And so... 
Good books have the ability to get inside of you like nothing else. And, and the Bible is a book that gets inside of you like nothing else if you mix it with the Holy Spirit. So there are plenty of people who've read through the Bible and not been affected. They say it's not a very powerful book. I, I would say the same if you do not read it mixed with the Holy Spirit. You want to be reading books mixed with the Holy Spirit. I read a book called Feast of Fire. And the reason I kind of flagged this book up is because it had a massive effect on my life. If you've never read it, it is a wild story of revival in Brownsville, Pensacola. It's a beautiful story of revival. I, like, oh, it's just, oh, even now I think I could cry. It's so beautiful. Um, and I remember I read it in one night. You know, a book that really gets you and you fall asleep on it because, you know, you've, you just keep reading it. It's large-ish print and quite short. That's how I like my books. Large-ish print. Stuart likes them small print and as fat as a doorstop. I like them quite thin and I like stories. So I read this book and I remember something started brewing in my heart. And, and I remember saying to God, that's what I want to see. I want to see revival. And, and it began a sort of a little obsession for me over the next probably four years where I just read everything I could on revival and just kept saying to God, when, when, when. But it was like something got birthed in me. Something, I, I can't really understand it, but it was like the spirit of revival got inside of me. And I don't know how the Holy Spirit does that, but that does happen where the spirit of something just gets inside of you. So people who have a massive heart for the poor will often say it's something like the spirit just is inside of me for it. I can't get away from it. It just follows me wherever I go. And I think that's what it's like to have a calling. It's not necessarily a thunderbolt from heaven, but it's this thing that you just can't get rid of. Wherever you go, it's like still there. When you pray, it comes out. It, it's, it's just there. It kind of bubbles away. And it sometimes frustrates you and makes you really mad. And so I have this love-hate relationship with, with revival in my heart. Sometimes I get so cross because I think, where is it? Sometimes I get so disappointed, so sad. Sometimes I get so excited. It, it just kind of lives there. I would say, if you know that kind of feeling, just keep fanning it. Keep praying into it. Keep believing God for it. So I led the youth work in, in this little church in my spare time. started off very small and quickly we began to grow. And to be honest, I had such a lot of fun, but most of the time I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I'd only been saved six months at that point, so my Bible understanding was limited and worse than the four young people in the youth work because they'd been church their entire lives. I would say things used to make me laugh so much, they go... Actually, Mel, that's not right. So sometimes I would say, oh, um, oh, all right then, where does it say that? And they would go, well, it says it, because they knew their Bibles incredibly well. I knew the Spirit incredibly well, my Bible fairly poorly. So between us, we kind of muddled through. I still, to this day, think it's mad that they let me loose on them. But they helped me, and I helped them. They're beautiful. They're still all going after God, those four. And I will always treasure them, because they let me grow, and I helped them grow. And we had... We played a lot of basketball, so we had a huge amount of fun as well. 
I think a little note to yourself, if you are not asking for the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, then you are probably not doing anything that scares you enough. So if you don't need the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, you should look at your life and say, why? Because when we don't need the Holy Spirit, we're doing most of our stuff in our own strength and we're fine. And so a lot of my job I could do in my own strength, I was fine. When I started to lead that youth work, I tell you, I did not have a clue. And so suddenly I'm in this environment where I think, if I don't have God, I am not only going to drown, but I am going to look very stupid doing it. And I think those are the environments where you want to be putting yourself. So if you think to yourself, I'm totally out of my depth here, I'm not honestly sure what I'm doing, you are probably exactly where God wants you. If you have a life that is so easy and so swimming and so brilliant that you don't need the Holy Spirit, I'd say change it. I don't mean change it and move churches, because we want you here. I mean change it and do something that scares you to death, that requires you to cling on to God. I think then your relationship with the Holy Spirit starts to grow. He, he's not needy, but he loves to be needed. The Holy Spirit loves it when we say, I need you. There's something in God that just responds to that in a way, I suppose that doesn't when we say, actually, I'm all fine by myself. God's like, okay, off you go then and waits for you to fall over and go, actually, I could do with you. So I think, check your life. Say, what am I doing that scares me half to death? If you're doing stuff that scares you half to death, well done. Cling on to God. If you're not, find something. The first young person I saw come to know Jesus was full of demons. And I think sometimes God exposes you to stuff because he's letting you know that in your future, this stuff will exist. So the first person I led to Christ manifested like biblical stuff. And I remember thinking, okay, quick, think quick. In the Bible, what did Jesus do? Because I didn't expect it. We were praying, uh, dear Lord Jesus, let me, you know, forgive me for my sin. And I said, why don't you name a few things? <gasps> started naming stuff. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and all this stuff started coming out. So I thought, the gospel said, you just speak to it send it out, all done. So I was like, right, so I mustered up my best demon fleeing voice, you know, that kind of and, and said leave, like that, very and do you know, it left and since then, that's been how I've handled the demonic, it's been a case of, okay, you, you shouldn't be in there get out which is how Jesus handled the demonic. I want to say that the Holy Spirit is real, but so is the demonic. And as a church, we'll kid ourselves if we do not embrace that and become aware of that and train ourselves in how to deal with that. I think the Gospels is brilliant to do a little bit of research through. There are also brilliant books out there. If you know yourself that you want to be involved in seeing people set free like that, ask me. I've got about four or five books that I've read that have been extremely helpful. I still say, leave! That's it. (laughs) So my training would be that. Um, I think if we're not seeing demons flee and we're not seeing Satan come after us, then we are also not doing the right stuff. So if ever a Christian says to me, I feel under attack by Satan, I I just want to go, congratulations. Because actually the only reason for Satan to come after you is if you're doing stuff that disturbs him. 
that causes worship to come away from him and onto God. The only reason for Satan to come after you would be to steal you away from something that God has got you doing. So even yesterday when my voice started to go, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Not for the sore throat, but because I know that Satan would love me to get up tomorrow and not be able to speak. So it probably means I'm on the right track. I don't go looking for the demonic. I don't go under rocks. I also don't blame him for things like a flat tyre or, you know, I lost my book or whatever. That's not Satan. That's, I got a flat tyre, I lost my book. But if he's there and he's in a person, I think we want to be getting that stuff out. And we want to be a church where in worship we're seeing the demons flee. In salvation prayers, we're seeing people set free. In our particular culture, we are going to see people come to Christ who have sin and mess like you've never seen. If we're not doing deliverance in salvation prayers, we probably want to be asking why not. We're going to have people who've slept with multiple people, been in same-sex relationships, been abused. We're just going to have a whole catalogue of mess because in our particular culture, if it feels good, do it, is what exists. And so we are going to have mess after mess after mess that we are going to need to help people get free of. I don't want us to fear this. I want us to rise up and say, okay, let's face it head on. Um, myself I've had various times where I've had deliverance where I know Satan had got me on some things and I'd allowed him to take root in my life and I'd needed to be set free from it it's nothing to be ashamed of I think it's more shameful to walk around with it and not get help there's nothing to be ashamed of being a person who's set free so this morning in the shower I was singing that song there is freedom freedom reigns in this place and, and I, as I was singing it I was just like it is so awesome to be a free person so there's no shame that comes with being released and set free from stuff it's beautiful right I need to mop up I met Stuart on my year out, so I did find my partner. I am that Christian cliche. I am the cheesy Christian who went on a year out, found a man, married him at the end of it. So, but for me, it was such a find. Being married or joined to the right person, I don't believe in the one, but the right person is just such a find in your life. So if you're married, treasure that man or that woman that God has put you next to, they're such a find. If you're not and you want to be, just pray for the right person. If you've had the pleasure of standing next to the right person, it's awesome. He helps me become who I'm supposed to be and I, I think I help him. Even on our wedding day, I remember the Holy Spirit being poured out and in this kingdom, you get what you ask for. So we had... We had Prophetic, we had two prophetic songs in our worship time on our wedding day. My, my family who were not saved, some of them, were just like, what the heck was that? One of my friends who was a work colleague went on an alpha out the back of our wedding and got saved. In this kingdom, you get what you ask for. We said, God, you are welcome here to interrupt our wedding day and do what you like amongst our friends and our family. With the Holy Spirit, he loves to be invited 
loves to be invited to do things, to move on things. So we moved to St Neots where Stuart was based as a teacher and I started working as a teaching assistant. And about six months in, they asked me to work for the local church and I suddenly knew it. I was like, this is it. This is the beginning of what it means for me to walk in my calling. And I started doing that. I led the youth work and led FP projects, which I'd done for years and loved. Um, And then Stuart came on staff as well two years later um, and he was an elder in that church and a preacher. And we both seemed to be just moving in what God had for us. We were having great fun, seeing people healed, seeing people saved. We saw so many people saved in that youth work. Like, and still to this day on Facebook, I keep in touch with a few of them, still all going on with God. And, and there are obviously some stories of not, but I have loads of stories where they are and it was such a beautiful time and it was in that time when I thought everything was going well and we were moving in our gifting God said you're to go now and I think sometimes it happens like that when you feel like everything's working and and we're, we're doing well and God says okay we're done what I wanted to do in you there you're done now and I know it's going really well and it's all flourishing I was like oh please let me stay God's like no we're done And immediately I panicked um, because Stuart and I both had paid jobs in a church. Where were we going to go who would pay us both? Where were we going to go who would help us move in our gifting? And I started to panic. It was a really painful, I think a painful year for me where I had to put down things that I thought God had said. So to put down a paid job, thinking to myself, "It, it can't be possible that God can find us those two things. Um, um, and get to a place where I had to say actually God if it was just you and me and I have to do another job or that's fine and I think sometimes God takes us through really painful experiences so that we get to a point where we're like okay God whatever you say whatever you do it's fine for me it was that year and it was a year spent of throwing tantrums crying um, yelling quite a lot throwing big halves, you know, the the usual kind of two-year-old behaviour in a grown woman. Um, And I got to a place where I was like, do you know what, God, I'll put this down. And then we got offered two jobs in a local church in Bishop Stortford. Um, And in fact, I'll never forget this, the guy who led the church there asked us to describe what our calling was and what jobs we'd like to be doing. We described it. He said, okay, you can come and do that here. You know, you just sit somewhere and think, what? Unbelievable. And so for us, the move to Bishop Stortford did two things in, in my life. It, it made me realise that God can do anything and that you don't need to limit him. And it made me realise that actually God is in control. And it was massive. It was like God was saying, I can do anything. I'm also in charge. And it, it grounded something in me. You need points in your life where those things get grounded. So we were there for three years, four years, and in that time, I think we grew and healed in areas that I didn't even know needed healing. And sometimes God brings you to a place where he wants to sort you out and deal with some stuff. So he takes you into an environment where he's like, actually, I would like to get a handle on these things in your life. That's what he did with me. That's what he did with Stu brought us to a place where he was like, actually, I want to grow you, shape you, change you. I want to take you from that place 
but I want to get you well in that place. And for us, Bishop Stortford will always be, don't tell anybody this, our favourite church. Uh, because for us, it was a place of healing, massive healing and massive growth. And it then became a place where we could springboard out into this. And sometimes that's how God takes you. He takes you into places where he's like, I need a pit stop with you. I need to do some stuff with you. We didn't know. And then I'm going to send you out. Then I'm going to propel you into what's next. For us, this was next. And the Holy Spirit has been on us throughout our entire Christian lives, getting us ready for this. And I know that. I know all the growth that he's done in me, all the encounters that I've had. They've all been getting us ready for this place. I've had several encounters with people that I just want to flag up. Sometimes God puts amazing people in your path or in your way so that you would grow. So I'm flagging up books because they help you grow enormously, even if you don't like reading. Sorry, guys, they help you grow Um, And I'm flagging up people because sometimes God puts some amazing people in front of you. So Julian Adams, for me, was a person, he's a prophet in our movement, who God put in front of me and said, do you want some of what this guy's got? And he moved in gifting like I've never seen and saw things I've never experienced. And I remember being in a meeting, he was talking about an angelic visitation. I remember thinking, I want some of that. And so since that time, I've had created in me a hunger for even more. So he would go into rooms in heaven and see stuff. I wanted that. He would have angels visit. I wanted that. He would have encounters with God that were just out of this world. I wanted that. I think in this kingdom, sometimes people are brought alongside you to make you almost jealous for who they are in God and what they have. And I've had several people do that in my life. I think I better wrap up. What I want to challenge you on this morning out of my story is just what I've learned. So what I've learned out of my story is that growing a relationship with the Holy Spirit takes time and raw obedience. So you want to get to know the Holy Spirit more. Give him some time and do what he says. Do what he says even if it seems a little bit balmy. Especially if it seems a little bit balmy, I suppose. Reading good books can change your life. If you want to read about someone who moved in the spirit to kind of blow your socks off, um, Catherine Coleman is a, a superwoman who moved in the Holy Spirit like just nothing else. Some of it a bit wild and out there, offensive wild and out there, but mind-blowing. Read good books. The Gospels are super. Get into the Gospels and go over and over again. Jesus was a spirit man. If you can get him in you, and if you can get those desires in you, it will change your life. Expect the demonic and read up on it. I think we, we cannot function in this current culture and not be getting good at seeing demons released. And it ought to become commonplace in our worship that we are seeing the demonic flee and people saying at the end I just feel free I just feel light I just feel undone that should be commonplace for us learn all you can even in the painful seasons God has taught me all through my life really to raid the painful seasons for everything it's got so if you're in a current painful situation don't be quick to get out of it raid it for everything Because there is stuff that God can do in pain that he can't do 
in laughter. There's something about us being broken and undone before God where he can fix in ways that no one else can. So if you're in a painful season, which I do believe some of you are, don't, don't rush to get out of it. Say to God, I'll, I'll take everything out of this that you have for me and I'll learn everything you've got for me. Don't be quick to get over the crying and the grieving. Grieve, cry. Not wallow, but feel it. It's, there's nothing like it. Hang out with people who stir you. If someone's got gifting that you like the look of or they move in the Holy Spirit more, get around them. Invite yourself around for dinner. Spend time with them. That, for me, has been amazing in my life. Just rubbing shoulders with people like Wendy Mann, Julian Adams, my friend Stu Gibbs. Just getting alongside people who've been able to really just push me further. Who've got things that I think, I would love to have that. Training. Training happens anywhere. So anywhere you are and someone wants to give you training, take it. Don't be too busy to go on that work course. Just say yes, please. Any kind of training God can use for your good and can use for the local church. And hold on to calling. If you know that stuff bubbles inside of you, hold on to it. Hold on to it for all your worth and let it hold on to you. I dream about things that just don't seem like a current reality, but I'm going to let them hold me. Sometimes they wreck me. Sometimes they make me so angry. I just think, why? Sometimes I get so frustrated, but I won't let it go. Because I think without calling or without that kind of dream or like, I'm just going to be the average boring Christian. I don't want to be that. I want to be someone who knows who I am and what I'm called to. So that was just a bit of my story. I wanted to just outline it. You can bring the kids in now, Stewie. In two weeks' time, I want to really stir us to go after the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask the worship team if we can have a slightly different time on that morning um, and take the whole morning really to just do some stuff on how to and then take some time out to see people filled with the Holy Spirit or filled again speaking in tongues, going to the next level in gifting. So if you think to yourself, actually I currently operate at this level, but I'd like to go up a gear, that morning I'm, I'm hoping God will just kind of set some people free. We might see some demons released. We might see some sin areas dealt with. Just I feel like that morning is going to be a really good morning, so don't miss it. Don't miss any morning, but don't miss that one in particular. Amen? Lovely. Let's worship.